Hey guys, I'm William Dyer. This is Dyer Conversations. Thanks for joining me on today's podcast. Now we're right in the middle of a series on critical race theory. So if you've missed the earlier episodes, I'll link them on the screen right now and put them in the description below. But in today's podcast, we're going to be talking about how according to critical race theory, all white people are racist. All right, guys, in the last episode I did on this podcast, I listed for you the four major tenets of critical race theory, according to uh, Delgado and Stefankic, who actually wrote a book to advocate for critical race theory. And we went over one of those tenets in the last podcast. In today's episode, we're going to go over the tenet that says that marginalized groups or marginalized racial groups have a unique voice that has a presumed competence to speak about race and racism. Now, before I continue in the podcast, I just want to let you know, like I do in every single episode, that all these quotes and every all these resources that I'm referring to will be footnoted in the description below, so you can go fact check me and also do your own independent research. Now, on this point, um, we need to break this down a little bit. So they say that minority groups have a unique voice of color to speak about race and racism that white people do not have and uh, cannot have. So there's a balance here, right? Is there an element of truth to that? Uh, maybe a little bit. So if I was to have a conversation with a person who is black or brown or any other sort of minority group, right? Do they have a unique perspective? Yeah, absolutely they do, right? I'm white. They're not. They grew up in America. I grew up in America, but they have maybe a little bit of a different perspective, a little bit different of an outlook, maybe some different experiences because of their race and their skin color. Hey, I'm absolutely fine with that. And I'm totally fine with sitting down with them and hearing from them. What was your perspective like? You know, what are your experiences like? What does that lead you to? That's totally cool. Where critical race theory goes wrong is then they extrapolate that to say that though thus white people if you imagine everybody sitting around a table as like a cultural conversation, white people aren't allowed to talk. That's where they go too far. See, it's one thing to say, hey, look, you know, I'm white and you're not. Um, you know, you're Latino and I'm not or, you know, whatever. So you have a perspective. Let me hear from your perspective and learn from your perspective. It's another thing then to go, yeah, but I can't then talk and you can't learn from my perspective. The only way we're going to really build racial harmony in this country is when all groups can come together and learn from each other and be willing to share and, again, hear each other with humility and grace. Now, according to this pillar, um, Helen Pluckrose and James Lindsay in their book, Cynical Theories, they say that this style of racism, and when I say style of racism, remember in the last episode, I showed you how critical race theory redefines the terms of race and racism. So check that episode out. I'll put it on the screen right now if you want to um, go watch it. But Plucker Rose and um, Lindsay say that this style of racism is only visible to those who have the correct training to see it, which I find uh, extremely interesting, right? Um, that critical race theory, what they're going to do is say, look, we believe that uh, you know there's this systemic racism, and if you deny it, it's because you just haven't been trained to see it. See, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what sort of facts you bring, what sort of logic you bring, what sort of evidence you bring, you know, all that, we're just going to throw out the window because, well, you need the specific training in order to see it. So uh, basically, they win no matter what. Now, Delgado and Stefankic in their book, Critical Race Theory, 
um, they talk about how the dominant group, which they classify as white people, um, they they participate in racism and in white privilege through microaggressions. Now, microaggressions they describe as, quote, small acts of racism consciously or unconsciously perpetrated. How do you participate in racial acts through unconscious ways? Well, I'll show you how this plays itself out. This is actually an article that came out within, uh, I think, the past week or so uh, by the Washington Examiner. And again, I'll link this in the uh, in the description below. But it's about how hand sanitizer stations or hand soap stations um, are racist. Yeah, so they were in California, of course, California, right? And they're at UCLA, and they are talking to some of these students. And it says that one UCLA student claimed that during the debate, automatic soap dispensers don't see her hands due to the dark pigment of her skin. So you got this girl, and, you know, she's black or brown or, you know, whatever. She's some sort of minority group. And she says, uh, you know, these automatic soap dispensers don't see my hands. Uh, it's because I'm black, so they must be racist. It, it can't be that maybe the motion sensor broke or maybe the batteries are dead or maybe, you know, you just didn't put your hands under it right. It has to be because that was programmed in such a way that it doesn't recognize your skin because it wants you to know that you're an oppressed person. I don't know. I think I just pulled a muscle having to do that sort of stretch. Um, They go on to say this. As another student reiterated, soap dispensers are racist because they force black and brown bodies to show their palms the only light areas of the skin in order to get soap out. So again, soap dispensers have been manufactured in such a way that they force black and brown people to show the lightest part of their skin as an microaggression, a racial act against them. This is what we come to. That here's here's look, I'm not even gonna get into breaking all that down and how ridiculous and absurd that is. Let's just let's just leave it at this. When you look at the world through this sort of racial lens, everything is racist. And everything can be racist. Delgado and Stefanik go on in the book, and they talk about how wildly per- pervasive racism is, that they say this, that, quote, no white member of society seems quite so innocent. Really? So there's a few problems with that. <laughs> Number one, you basically just categorized all white people, 99.9% of them, I guess, as racist. Is that not racist? I'm pretty sure it is. Here's the other absolutely ironic and hilarious part about this. Stefankic is a white woman. So you have a white female telling us that racism is so pervasive that almost no white member of society seems quite so innocent. So Ms. Stefankic, I have a question for you. Do you somehow, as an elite member of society, get to exclude yourself from all these white members so you're like the .0001% of white people who aren't racist, conveniently, and all the rest of us are just you know a bunch of bigoted racists? Or are you also a racist? I'd love to be able to ask her that question. Maybe she'll answer one day. Who knows? But here's what this has led us to. Okay, here's the shift. And we talked about this in the episode I did when I showed you that critical race theory is based on postmodernism philosophy, which says there's no objective truth, right? Everything is subjective. So go check that episode out. I'll put that on the screen as well. 
We have moved racism from the mind of the offender to the heart of the offended. And what I mean by that is this, this move from objectivity to subjectivity. It doesn't matter about evidence. It doesn't matter about reality. All that matters now is feelings. And as I noted in an earlier podcast, that critical race theory now elevates social grievances over objective truth to where you lead to a point where you cannot uh, deny this UCLA student, you know, these students at UCLA who are saying soap dispensers are racist. You cannot deny and tell them, no, you're wrong. You're not, you're not even you're not even functioning in reality anymore. You can't do that to them. You have to confirm to them. No, you're right. Yep, systemic racism right there. Get rid of soap dispensers, all of it. Now, uh, to reiterate my point, uh, Greg Lukianoff, president and CEO of the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education, and Jonathan Haidt, who is the professor of ethical leadership at New York University Stern School of Business. They say this in their book, The Coddling of the American Mind. I love that title, by the way. Uh, Subtitle, How Good Intentions and Bad Ideas Are Setting Up a Generation for Failure. They conclude in a section in their book about this line of thinking. They say it, quote, encourages confirmation bias and leaves wide open the door to the unscrupulous. They go on to talk about how it produces theories with, quote, no real means of testing or falsifying them. They say, it leads us to a point where you just, you can't test anything. You can't falsify anything. You just have to agree with it all. So hand soap dispensers, they're racist. Now, where does this leave the alleged offender, which would be me because I'm white and all you other white people who are out there watching this podcast right now are listening to it. We have a choice to make. We can either A, support critical race theory. If we support critical race theory, then we have to admit that, well, we are racist. Even if we say, well, you know, I don't really feel like I'm racist. I don't do anything that's racist. Um, I have black friends and Latino friends and, you know, all these other minority friends, but somehow I'm still racist. And by the way, the whole system here in America is systemically racist, including the hand soap dispensers. So we have to get rid of them. We have to deconstruct the whole system and rebuild it, um, you know, according to critical race theory's uh, system. I'm just not willing to buy into that sort of line of thinking because I think that's racist in and of itself to tell all white people because of the color of your skin, you are inherently racist. Yeah, no, that's racist. So I'm not going to buy into that. So the other option that we have is to deny critical race theory. Now, if you deny critical race theory, like we said earlier, uh, what they will do is they'll look at you and go, well, that's because you're blinded by your white privilege. And so now you're a racist. So you're a racist if you accept critical race theory and you're a racist if you deny critical race theory. But here's the other interesting fact. Where does this leave dissenting minorities? This is something that nobody's really like really wants to talk about, right? You know, you got all these people running around talking about critical race theory, how all white people are racist, how all the minorities are held down and oppressed, and there's a systemic racism problem. But what about these minorities who you're seeing a lot more of them who are popping up going, um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't buy into the systemic racism problem. I don't think America is systemically racist. I don't think all my white uh, friends are racist. No, I don't, I don't buy into critical race theory. I don't feel oppressed because I'm, I'm, I'm a minority. I mean, think about people like Candace Owens. Think about people like Thomas Sal. you know. Think about the Hodge twins and, you know, I mean, some of these other groups that are coming up, and I, mean, I know there's more, you know, we're not going to list them all out right now, but what do you do about these people who are popping up going, no, we, we're minorities and we don't buy into this critical race theory thing? 
what do people who do buy into critical race theory do with those people? Well, I can tell you from firsthand experience what they do with them. They call them Uncle Toms. They call them sellouts. So I hope you see the racial, you know, the inherent racism in that sort of concept. You know, if, if, I'm a, if I'm an advocate for critical race theory, and I say, look, all minorities are held down by this systemic racism problem, and then I got minorities popping up going, yeah, no, we don't agree with that. We don't believe that we're oppressed. Uh, well, that's because you're a sellout. That's because you're an Uncle Tom. You've sold out to the man. You're part of the systemic racism problem now. So, so basically, critical race theory sets themselves up in such a way to where no amount of evidence, no quality of evidence, doesn't matter what you bring, they can never be wrong. Because if you deny them, it's you're blinded by your white privilege. And if you accept them, well, then you've been enlightened to your white privilege and you're racist. So this is why, according to critical race theory, if you're white, you're racist. So let me leave you with this. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 7, verse 35, uh, Jesus is, you know, he's, he's teaching like he often does, and he, he makes a statement uh, at the end of one of these teachings. I, I find it awesome uh, to think about. He says, wisdom is vindicated by all of her children. To give you like a, a quick breakdown of that, basically what he says is, you look at the fruits of how something plays out, and you'll be able to understand whether it's good or bad, legitimate or not, right? Wisdom is vindicated by our children. If critical race theory leads us down a pathway where we have to say that we're racist even if we're not racist, and that minorities who deny that they're oppressed, well, that's because they are part of the system and they're sellouts and they're bad, and that hand soap dispensers are part of the systemic racism problem. If that's where critical race theory leads us, I'm, I'm just not willing to go down that path. I'm sorry, but I want to follow something that's a little bit more based in reality and of facts in logic and in truth. All right, thanks for tuning in in today's podcast. Don't forget to uh, check out the earlier episodes. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. Leave me some comments below. Let me know what you think about it. And until next time, continue to examine the evidence.